1: The ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Church of Roy, an armchair All-American podcast. Warning, today's show may include adult language. And here are your hosts, Brian Wilcox and Steve DeWall.
0: Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of the Church of Roy podcast. I, I don't know where. My mind just slipped right there. I'm in beautiful, sunny, hot. Maybe that's why. My brain's cooking. But I'm in Las Vegas. I was expecting to be down here watching Team USA uh, perform a little better but we're gonna get to that a little later before we get into some of the topics today my i'm with my co-host as always brian wilcox i'm steve dewald in case i missed that already so uh brian how you doing tonight
2: i'm doing well man a little exhausted i uh hit the home run derby last night at coors field mm. uh, had standing room only seats up up top jammed out of work a little early got there and it was hot we got a we were able to get a seat right on the rail though and saw just some straight dingers being hit and it was a good night but there were a few beers drank and i'm moving a little slow but i'm ready for this yeah i think like this the home run derby for me is like
0: anytime there's an all all all-star showcase i think the two things i i tune in for is i'm still a sucker for the slam dunk competition and the skills competition in general for the nba and then major league baseball if i am going to to tune in if, to non-playoff baseball it is a lot of the times for the home run derby and and maybe a little all-star game but yeah they weren't awesome. they weren't
2: treating the balls and so guys were just hitting absolutely moon absolute moon shots it was, it was awesome so the, and the
0: he's lobbing him pitches doesn't have any like tar or anything on his fingers, so you know <laughs> right. it's, it's just perfect so since so the last time we've talked the Blazers have made a couple moves to the coaching staff. Uh, that's kind of been a lot of hand wringing about, you know, what are the Blazers going to do to get a first time head coach? Uh, not the most popular pick in Portland history, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, they've made a couple moves here. I, I will preface everything with this is if you're really worried about the quality of your assistant coaches on your staff, you probably are already in the wrong direction on your coaching hire. But, but that said, um, Scott Brooks was hired as a, as the assistant coach. Sounds like he's the lead assistant. Um, fresh off of his stint with the Washington Wizards, uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder prior to that. And then they also went out and got another assistant coach in Roy Rogers, who's made a lot of stops along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, most recently was with Chauncey Billups in L.A. with the Clippers. So, Brian, first, let's get into Brooks. What do you think – of the higher, what do you
1: like? What don't you like? Do you think it was a good choice? Hey guys, it's Perry here to tell you all about the brand new app we've been using here on the Church of Roy called Spotify Green Room. Green Room is a live audio only platform that is free to download and super easy to use. You can talk to sports fans, insiders, athletes, and even executives all in real time. And hey, the Church of Roy will be there live bright and early on Saturdays at 8 a.m. Pacific. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app in the iOS or Android App Store. Get it done,
2: peeps. Well, he's not Vinny Del Negro, so that's that's a positive. Um, I was absolutely shocked to see that guy's name surface. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't love the hire, but I like it. I think that with Bills being a first-year head coach, having a guy who's been a head coach in the league for a long time is really going to help. I think that's something we were really looking for when when they were bringing somebody on, was a guy with a lot of experience, and Brooks certainly has that. You know, I think some of his – maybe his lack of ability to get the thunder over the top when he had just Durant Westbrook and then Harden for a bit is something that's kind of showered him through his whole career. Um, but right, wrong or indifferent, he's, he's had some good teams. He's coached some really good players. And, um, you know, Dwight James came out and said that Westbrook and Beal were actually in favor of keeping him around in in Washington when he was on his way out. So mm-hmm. it sounds like maybe he's a little more respected than fans give him credit for. Um, yeah. And just because he wasn't a top tier head coach doesn't mean the guy can't be a top tier assistant. It's hard to say as a fan what really makes a top tier assistant, right? So Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's, it's all it's all right. Yeah,
0: I I think it's something I've talked about a little bit as far as it's harder in the NBA when you're looking at coaches because it's like again it's not like football, it's not like baseball where you have a hitting coach in baseball or you have an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator. You don't really know what these guys are going to are going to do necessarily. Now, it is my general understanding that a lead assistant, especially a, a Brooks's background is this is a guy who's going to handle a lot of the day-to-day or at least help Chauncey Billups handle the day-to-day. And mm. for somebody who has, you know, a career winning percentage Uh, of a right around 55 percent a lot of years two locations has a finals trip under his belt he's been there he's been deep into the playoffs i think he's the exact type right experience to have for a first-time coach now granted there's been a lot of scott brooks like jokes and, and a lot of comments made about his necessarily his coaching ability um i i'm interested to see what he does i don't i don't think he's really there for to be an x's and o's guys I, I guy i think he's there more to guide billups through this journey through this season um i do wonder about the defensive side of the ball as far as accountability and getting guys to the table yeah. um this is a guy who you know coach James Harden for a little while he's had <laughs> a couple stints with Russell Westbrook with which Russell Westbrook's effort on both ends of the floor is, has waned at times I mean he's an intense player but sometimes he, he makes some questionable decisions on defense so it'll be interesting to see what he brings to that side of the ball Um, like you said, I I think the biggest shocker here and all of it was Vinny Del Negro was included on this list. I I think God, I used a reference point of, it was three fast, fast and the furious movies ago that he last (laughs) coached in the NBA. So I, I was really shocked to see his name on the list. Um, I think right after it was announced, I mean, he was in a celebrity golf tournament. So I, it's, uh, it was weird to see his name, but the other name that was on there that I was interested in just as a legacy choice was Lionel Hollins. Yep. I'd be interested to hear you. I mean, I know hindsight's 2020, but were you more hoping for Lionel Hollins or, or was it just basically anybody but Vinny Del Negro when you looked at that list?
2: Yeah. When it first came out, I was definitely pro Lionel Hollins. Um, I was anti Vinny from the, <laughs> from the jump. Um, but Hollins is a guy who's, he's been around a lot too. You know, he's, he's been a coach in the league in some capacity since the late eighties. I mean, he's been along around a lot longer than Brooks, but, um, they were kind of one a one B for me out of that list, I guess. And at the end of the day, I was kind of like, I kind of went back to what you said that if you're, I want to tell you a story.
3: It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry,
1: indeed.com slash match terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed
2: if you're that worried about the lead assistant <laughs> then you're probably down the wrong path it's like they both have experience they can probably both fill the niche that um phillips needs from those guys and it, you know at the end of the day it's fine either either guy's fine it's not gonna make make or break yeah. this team
0: yeah I, I would say before we get into the next guy which is roy rogers who was brought in as an assistant. I mean, I, I there is a line I'm going to draw here to where you know Scott Brooks's first season as an assistant was with the Denver Nuggets, head coach uh, Jeff Bezdelic. So let's let's just get right into it here with with Roy Rogers comes in. It sounds like you know the Clippers were really wanted Roy Rogers to come back from what I've heard. Um, so I I think it was a good get for the Blazers. There is some history here, though, as far as we'll we'll get into kind of what Bezdelic brings to the table as far as I think his most high profile position where a lot of people might know his name is what he did with the Rockets. So the Rockets have this super high powered offense and under Jeff Bezdelic and Roy Rogers, they go to a very switch heavy positionless defense Mm -hmm. with guys like PJ Tucker, uh, Luke. Mabamute, like some other guys on that team that were very switchable, played that style of defense and really turned that Rockets team into a true contender where if a team like the Golden State Warriors doesn't exist, you're probably talking about a championship team. So what do you think Rogers is going to bring? Do you think it is for the defense? Do you think they are going to try to get to that Rockets style system?
2: There's kind of been a couple conflicting reports on what he's both what he did with the Clippers and then kind of where he's going to be going with the Blazers. I think Woj said that he was going to focus on the defensive end. of the court is one of those early tweets. Um, you know, the Clippers being ninth last year—that's obviously a good sign. Definitely a completely different roster makeup with two elite wing defenders in the Blazers. But then you also had an article in Forbes from shane young who did a deep dive into the clipper season and he kind of mentioned that dan craig was the guy who really guided that team defensively and that rogers was uh, a lot more instrumental in zubach's development and him finishing around the basket and and uh, rogers being a ex-big guy himself that he was kind of the big man tutor so to speak also helped on the defensive side but it was much more geared towards uh zubach's development so i was it was Kind of interesting that you had two different narratives sort of out there that he's, on one hand, can help the big guys, and on the other hand, you know, is, is supposed to come in and shore up the defense. But um, to me, it's kind of hard to say. I don't know if you can pull from some of those past teams. I don't know if you can apply what's been done in the past to this Blazers roster just because the roster construction is different.
0: Yeah, I, I think what is funny, though, through all of this is – I know more about the Clippers coaching staff because I've been trying to figure out what the hell Chauncey Billups did. So I don't. Th- I think <laughs> I know more about a coaching staff than I know about most Blazers staffs. Except for like the Blazers staff, I know a lot about is when they like basically put a label on Vanterpool and Tibbetts as far as what yeah. they did.
2: So well, that's totally the last time I did a deep dive. I mean, yeah, I had to do the same on
0: that. Play. That is interesting about Zubac. I, I mean, again, another topic that we touched on last week. If that really is what Roy Rogers was. You know, working on it's another you know brick in that wall that has Yusuf Nurkic's big, Bosnian, beautiful face on the side of it. As far as what he could potentially bring uh, to to the team next year, I do huge want-
2: opportunity. Huge opportunity for Nurk if he can start finishing around the basket, which is mm-hmm. something that Roger supposedly really helped Zubac with. Then mm-hmm. he could obviously be one of the top guys. You know, not the very top, but that Jokic and B-tier, but he could be right there, you know? Oh, yeah. I do
0: want to mention, just because it is my favorite name to mention on any podcast or in articles when I get a chance, is there is a year between Roy Rogers' time, between Houston and the Clippers, and that is with the Chicago Bulls under my favorite off-season consultant, Jim Boylan. So, hopefully – he leaves the Jim Boylan defense at home when he comes to Portland. So we, we will see there. Oh, uh,
2: we saw that worked out last year.
0: I, I do want to transition into one thing as far as the offseason goes. I, I do find Roy Rogers' hiring, I think, important when we're framing what Carmelo Anthony's future in Portland might look like. So you have Chauncey Billups at head coach, a player – who, who I guess an analyst at that time, who made probably some of the most critical arguments against Carmelo Anthony when he was out of the league. And now you have Roy Rogers who was directly on the coaching staff in Houston when basically Mello was exiled after a very short run. So I do wonder if the writing is on the wall, that Mello is not coming back to this team because basically Roy Rogers was in place, like I said, under Jeff Bezdelik working a lot with the defense was the assumption Carmelo Anthony comes to Houston, Jeff Bezdelic retires. They move on from Carmelo, Jeff Bezdelic unretires. So like, obviously there's some bad blood there. And like Roy Rogers, while he wasn't directly, you know, involved in probably I would assume the decision-making to put Carmelo into the, you know, the basketball, you know, pasture, I do believe Roy Rogers tried to make the defense or the team work around Carmelo and it clearly didn't in Houston. So I, do you think this is it for Melo in Portland? Do you, do you think this is where the coaching staff is moving?
2: I certainly didn't make that whole roundabout connection that, that you did, which I absolutely love. I think it's, I think it's brings up some really valid points if you know Rogers time in Houston, almost just completely wiped smell off the map in Portland to me, I'm just kind of out on mellow anyways, in Portland, Um, you know, (laughs) it's been a fun go. He's a, he's been a hell of a pro, but it's the defense and we all know we need to upgrade the defense and almost the most important or more important thing to me is just with his accolades and everything he's, he's accomplished in his career. He's gotta be kind of a weird guy to coach. I think that you can't really bench him. And I think the front office has probably made that pretty clear. Um, and so you're kind of stuck playing them hell or high water. And, you know, if this, if this new regime is hell bent on holding people accountable on both sides of the court, I don't know how you can do that when you kind of have this insistence from the front office that you have to play them. But so in a roundabout way, you know, I don't know if Roy Rogers coming in, certainly yeah spells, mellow's time is over, but you know, his time should probably be over anyway. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I don't think it's a, a direct correlation of, of they hired Roy it's, Rogers. That's interesting. That means, I love that. It. That means Melo's out. But like if you're building an argument, I, I think it's something interesting to look at. And I mean, again, it's something that I always, when I'm wrapping my head in tinfoil and trying to come up with this stuff, This is those are the type of things I look at. That's yeah, super far interesting. As far exactly. as, as Melo goes on the court, I, I think if the Blazers are going to move in this new direction, I do wonder if they can do it with him on the roster, because this is a really a make and make or break year for guys like Nasir little for Anthony Simons, especially. A- and, you know, on paper, Anthony Simons and Carmelo Anthony should ex- coexist together. But the reality is when Ant comes off the bench and mellows in there, the hierarchy should go, Ant should get the majority of the looks and then it should go to mellow. And that is clearly not the case when you have Melo on the floor. He is going to take his shots. As a bench player. Now, hey guys, prepare to really tell good. you all like, about the brand new I, I app be very we've been using. There's been some Roy, very fun art. Carmelo Anthony. Green Room Green
1: is a live audio-only platform that is free I, I to download to and super easy to use. The do That I'm saying. You can, the you can talk to sports but fans, I insiders, athletes, and even executives all in real time. sometimes repeated. And hey, the Church of Roy will be there live bright and early on Saturdays at 8 a.m. I think some of the frustration you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app, the iOS or Android, and be directly back to Carmelo Anthony. Kansas City State Company wants to make this your best onesies ever. Visit kansascitysteaks.com and get like 15% said, off your order and free shipping and with code SD. And, and doing stuff on both classic sides of the floor. Cuts, and oh yeah, to USDA Prime. I don't, I don't to hard to find special cuts if and more. They could Kansas get, City more, they could get, City get everything Mantra's Harold the
0: to... These are steakhouse they moved on quality from him steaks. The, with age the Clippers, to perfection. To make it really so easy, each
1: order is flash frozen and delivered directly with satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. High efficiency shooters. tender, flame, and They're good
0: rebounders, but they're not for you
1: don't really know what they do I'm getting hungry as I'm talking and savory ribeyes. Camps it's been, been a hard year, so enjoy being together again by bringing but the steakhouse. As far to as Melo goes, too, city I mean, I, I just go to kansasitystakes.com and get fifteen percent off your order and free of, shipping with code SD at checkout. I'm sure we'll continue to city discuss this <laughs> over the
2: offseason and really jump into roster construction stuff. That's you can't have so many negative defenders on the same team, like you just mm-hmm. can't. That's how you end up with the second worst defense in the league. Yeah. <laughs> and so, when you're just talking about like, you know, guys and their strengths and weaknesses, I just I just don't see where he plays in to really make a meaningful um, change as a, as a team. Do you think Mello, if he does depart Portland,
0: do you think this is it? Do you think he gets a shot somewhere? And if that is the case, where do you think he might end up?
2: I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the Lakers mm-hmm. playing with his boy, Ron. I,
0: I think the Lakers are the clear choice. I think we've heard a little bit, uh, some murmurs as far as they're a team that could potentially be interested. And now that Mello kind of has that year under his belt, where he was, you know, just a premier bench player mm-hmm. um, and premier for the Blazers. I don't think don't don't take premier too literally there. Um, I think he's probably more likely to accept an even lesser role going forward, especially now that he's basic. He's in the top ten for points scored he only has to put up a modest amount for the rest of his career to, to move up a little further. Mm-hmm. So I do wonder if, if potentially there's a Knicks reunion in there. Um, I also wonder, you know, what, what, if Chris Paul doesn't come back to Phoenix, which I it would be crazy if he didn't, but right. if he doesn't go back there, you know, is it that Chris Paul's another guy who's really close with mellow. I wonder if they try to rekindle something somewhere or that's part of the draw.
2: Yep, absolutely. Um, just to pop back to Rogers for just a second, mm-hmm. you know, with him being a big guy and sort of you know, obviously he's defensive minded, but also kind of big man minded. Were you a little? Did you have any pushback internally about why they would bring in a guy who might focus a little more on the big man defense than <laughs> perimeter defense, or what were your thoughts on that? I I don't know. I don't know if I really buy into that
0: mm-hmm. a whole lot. I mean, it's, it's certainly interesting. But I think Billups – the Billups hire and, to a lesser extent, the Brooks hire address more of that two guards that, at least on paper – I mean, Billups was definitely a two-way point guard, but Brooks was just kind of an everyman kind of just trying to stick it out as a reserve guard for the most of his career. So I think they both have experience on the defensive side of the ball as far as the guards go. I mean, if you want to bolster, I mean, I think that might be the most logical way to improve the defense. Like if you're asking of how the defense gets better for the Blazers, is it because Damian Lillard and CJ McComb are playing better defense, or is it because Yusuf Nurkic is playing lights-out defense? You know, I I think maybe the Yusuf Nurkic part of the equation is, is probably the more likely way that you climb out of the cellar as far as defensive rating goes. Sure.
2: Yeah, you know, I initially was kind of questioning it a little bit, you know, if if really he'd have that that I guess emphasis on, on containing the point of attack, but I think that's gonna have to be like an organizational wide mm-hmm. focus. Everybody from Jody freaking Allen down to <laughs> CJ Ellaby if they wanna drag themselves out of the defensive holder end. But I saw it was an interesting thought process anyway. Yeah. So I mean, I guess if we I mean, let's get back to Mello just a little bit, because I think
0: if we were gonna talk about Mello, I think logically Let's talk a little bit about the Olympics. It has been uh, not a great start, although it does, as we're recording, looks like the Team USA is going to get their first exhibition win of this little sequence here uh, against Argentina. But they, you know, a crazy loss to Nigeria, a team that they beat by fifty plus points, you know, not too mm-hmm. long ago in the Olympics, uh, and then they followed up with a loss to Australia. So what how concerned are you like I, I'm trying to really gauge this because I feel like I can buy some of the school of thought like, oh a loss early is a good thing but then you turn around and lose to Australia and you're like oh there might just be problems with this roster and also as far as where I fall even after one loss I don't think team U- team USA losing at any point is good mm-hmm. like you should realize that when you're put on that team It's like you're Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference. You're going to get everybody's best shot every night, and you need to realize that when you put on those colors for this country, you need to know that a loss is unacceptable no matter what the
1: situation is. Hey guys, it's Perry here to tell you all about the brand new app we've been using here on The Church of Roy called Spotify Greenroom. Greenroom is a live audio-only platform that is free to download and super easy to use. You can talk to sports fans, insiders, athletes, and even executives all in real time. And hey, The Church of Roy will be there live bright and early on Saturdays at 8 a.m. Pacific. All you need to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app in the iOS or Android app store. Get it done, peeps. Um,
2: you really look back and I think Really think about it, the concern for Team USA goes back a little further than just the last two mm-hmm. under Pop. They're nine and five. Um, it's weird to say that about one of the all-time greats, a Popovich-coached team that's, you know, essentially just t- not coming close to what mm-hmm. expectations are for a team. But they might say a little more to the level of competition uh, than his coaching. But still, to your point, there's so much talent here that really inexcusable to drop two in a row uh, like they have. And to me, defense and rebounding have been the two uh, pillars of, of this rough start.
0: Well, I, I think just the Popovich thing I think is worth mentioning because it is surprising. And I, I would assume it has more to do with the roster construction here. But to see a Popovich team play this stagnant style of offense – yeah. And then zero accountability on defense and zero rebounding, zero fundamentals is just super concerning for me. And I think for me, it just comes down to, I hope at some point there will be a reckoning for team USA to how they construct these teams. And I don't think it should just be about five guys. who can score a bunch of points. You mm-hmm. need to have, Point guards that look to get others involved, which Damian Lillard can do that. But let's face it, Damian Lillard's at his best when he is dropping bombs from deep, and he's getting and he's slicing up a defense himself, which he can play make out of those out of the gravity he creates on both of those situations. But then you got Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, some of these, and Bradley Beal, some of these guys that are you know marquee players. I mean, even adding Devin Booker into this doesn't really solve it either you have all these guys that are at their best when they're creating for themselves on offense and defense is an afterthought for a lot of these guys. And, you know, really being a pass first type player is an afterthought. So I don't know. I I think there's two things that work here. You have the world competition catching up to the USA and then you have the USA trying to field an all-star team here. Then it's clearly not working. What, what, of those two, which do you think has been more of the issue or that we've seen through these first couple games?
2: Yeah, typically the truth is somewhere in the middle, right? I mm-hmm. think there's they're both factors. I think probably the larger one, though, is – I mean, I don't think the world's all of a sudden caught up in five years or four years or whatever. But um, to me, it just looks like, well, the roster construction is a little lopsided, but even with the group they have, um, some of the flaws they're showing, it really does look like a team that had a couple walkthroughs and they've just kind of rolled the ball out. Looks like mm. they've maybe been in Cancun for a couple of weeks, <laughs> some of these guys, and, and might not be in there, have their legs under them exactly. Mm. Um, and, you know, I've heard the argument well, you know, some of these other teams have pro players that have gone through, you know, playoffs or, or, you know, this long, grueling NBA season that followed a wild season, the bubble and all that. But the American team is full of guys who had to carry their team. Or yep. you get a Josh Hakogi or whatever, he's coming in, he's he's pretty fresh, he's not a Damian Lillard who's been playing 36 minutes a night. And so, um, I, I do think there's probably a factor of fatigue and and just not having the chance to because who knows how many sets and and things pop's really yep. been able to implement in, in the short amount of time. And to me, that's probably the bigger the bigger thing, than yeah,
0: yeah, I, I think I think so too. I think the world is without a doubt getting better, like you said, but. I don't think all of a sudden everybody's caught up to the USA and the type of teams that they can field. I will say this I don't see this getting any easier for Team USA. Like, do I think they're going to mm-hmm. continue to lose? Probably not. I mean, it looks like they definitely showed up for Argentina tonight. I do wonder just with the international rules, it is so perplexing for me to see them just lean on these really small centers. Like yeah. I think Bam-, Bam is a perfect player for this team, don't get me wrong, but like when you can put a you know a seven-foot guy in the paint on defense and not get a defensive three-second call, yes. that's what you got to do because that's that's what France is going to do to Team USA. That's what Iran is going to do to Team USA. They're going to put these huge seven-footers down there and say, okay – you're not getting anything at the rim. So let's see what else you can do. So for the USA, at least not to account for that is just super puzzling for me. And I I'm not sure how you address that going forward, because let's be real here. It's like when you look at the available pool for team USA, as far as big men go, it's not super encouraging. And and that's where I have high hopes for a guy who was in action this weekend. I don't know if very many people caught it, but it was the under 19 finals. Um, Chet Holmgren, the number one recruit going to Gonzaga next year, is a seven-foot kid who does everything. And I wonder if we're going to be talking about him four years from now as a guy who maybe latches onto the tail end of a Team USA roster. So
2: it's been a minute since we had a Gonzaga reference on, on the pod, so I'm I'm happy you were able to slip that one in. Yeah, congrats, congrats on snagging him, by the way. Yep. Um, yeah. As far as kind of roster construction, you hit on two things. One a little earlier about, you know, is Dame really the right point guard on a team that's so full of scorers? You know, you do wonder if he'd be better off with more of an orchestrator, kind of a table setter, shift Dame off ball a little bit. You still want Dame out there without a doubt. He's one of the best players in the world. But would you, if you could, would would you move his role slightly and to a guy that can just get others involved and, and get everyone else cooking? And the other ones being... Uh, the fact that they don't have a true big man and even like i think like andre drummond would help right now you know <laughs> which is like <laughs> we've gone to a dark place <laughs> yeah, we really have but but you know it's like would drummond do more for this team than kevin love probably just because he's big he can move and you can park him in the lane and he can just kind of impact the game that way um something we haven't mentioned i think officiating is mm-hmm. just different you know i think They're able to hand check a lot more, which that's something that you don't really see talked about a lot. But, you know, it's different enough that some of the tricks these guys pull, you know, you've seen Mm -hmm. a couple of guys leaning into, you know, the pump fake and then the lean. They don't get the call. And it's like, well, that's an NBA move. It's not it's not, you know, a FIBA move. So anyway, it's there's some there's some slight differences there that they're probably working through as well.
0: Yeah. It's been a real tough look for some of these USA guys that are like, you know, doing very awkward shots at really the new rules that are coming out for the NBA are trying to address, but apparently they didn't get here soon enough. So, yeah, so, no you, you know, we've seen Bradley Beal do it a couple of times. I think Dame is, has, has, not really egregiously look for it. That might be a little bit of a homer in me, but you, you've seen him at least look that way on a couple of three pointers. Um, I, I think the other thing too, that I want to touch on, well, I'll address this first. You mentioned about Damian Lillard's role and how I'd like to see that potentially shifted if Devin Booker isn't on this team, if Bradley Beal isn't on this team, I think you can play Damian Lillard as more of an off-ball guard and let him dominate the ball when he wants to, and you can put a traditional table setter at that point guard position. But then, you know, that all sounds great, but it's like a traditional table-setting point guard is kind of like looking for a really good seven-foot U.S., you know, born center. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean – (laughs) it's just you you, you, you go you go through and it's just this natural progression of of how the league is trended and how the most popular players have trended you have LeBron James who in any other generation is probably a power forward or and you have Chris Bosh that has moved to the outside you had Kevin Love who's on this team now which that's I'm going to circle to that later but you have Mm -hmm. Kevin Love who switched to the perimeter so all your big men the the big glamour like big men tend to thrive when they're not in the paint i mean even anthony davis doesn't really like to play in the low post towns then and then you have then you have this point guard revolution that starts with gilbert arenas and then just takes off through you know damian lillard and steph curry especially where you know that's just the way these guys have trended that's where the money is that's where the popularity is and now we're seeing it in this next generation with like the trey youngs of the world so I I do wonder what direction the U S basketball is going and what it means for international competition. Mm -hmm. Um, I do not think it's all doom and gloom, but I do think team USA might have to be a little more careful on how they craft their teams. And I think we're starting to see potentially, maybe do they feel the team more of like college guys and guys who are used to playing more of, you know, a traditional, you know, a more international style of defense and, and shot selection. So we'll we'll see how how that moves forward. But the, go
2: ahead. No, it, it is interesting. We sit here and say, well, I'll just plug that guy in there. But it's it's almost like you know those people ma- making the mythical CJ McCollum trade of I'll just yeah. trade him for a two way wing. Well, mm-hmm. great. Yeah. You know, who is yep. it? Like as far yep. as the table setting point guard for the U.S. You know. Call it T.J. McConnell? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Who's the guy? I don't know. Like, really, no one – you you can probably do better than that. And even if the fit's not better, you're better off having an A-list guy in there probably at the end of the day. I I did want to touch on Kevin
0: Love that I I was optimistic that he was going to look good in the Olympics and this was going to be a good thing for him. But it has been terrible. I don't know how much – he has in the tank moving forward for his NBA <laughs> career. And, and I, I mean, I know it's only been a couple games, but man, is it like he had to have known what the stakes were coming into this. And, and to see his, to see what it's looked like so far is super concerning. But it might just be rust. But what, what's your Kevin Love thoughts so far? Yeah.
2: Uh, uh, that probably sums it up. Yeah, if you don't got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. You, I'm rooting for the guy. He's such a fun player to watch in his prime. A guy that I really would have liked Portland to get a yeah. while ago. Um, yeah. yeah, But, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. It's Father time remains undefeated. Hopefully he can work through some of those recent injury issues and kind of just yeah. become a productive guy again. But it's looking a little rough right now. All right. So
0: before we get out of here, I do want to touch on some more serious stuff that I, I, and I believe we talked about it in our, our Billups specific podcast of, you know, this is our thoughts on it at this time. And as we continue to receive new information or potentially new information, we will continue to evolve our viewpoints on it. I think right now everybody in Portland has an opportunity to do that through two articles that have recently been released as we're recording this. And, and we're not going to go into it too much just because it feels like there is going to be more and more to this. And I think at some mm-hmm. point it's getting loud enough to where the Blazers are going to actually have to make a response to a lot of this. So first, I, I really all I want to do here today is tell people where to find it. These have been highlighted on Blazers Edge, but if you want to go to the original article, Uh, Diana Moskovitz which I hope I'm not butchering that had an article on the defector which is kind of the follow-up to deadspin a lot of the people who left there went to here so really in-depth reporting really dives into the Billups allegation and a lot of the information that is available official information that's not sealed Um, so that's all detailed in that story and then today as we recorded just before OPB did a a investigative research piece on basically trying to retrace the steps that the blazers may or sounds like may not have taken to vet billups's 1997 allegation they basically went through the steps typically of what i assume would be a vetting process and that's why i want to be really careful here because i don't know what an actual vetting process looks like maybe the blazers did everything correctly and they're just looking in the wrong places or maybe they didn't but what it does sound like is the blazers did not contact any of like the primary witnesses they didn't talk to any of the attorneys that were in the case um and also it sounds like where a lot of these records were kept they were not contacted by anyone from the blazers until after that press conference and supposedly this vetting process had already occurred so somebody's not telling the truth. And, you know, there's definitely someone who I think me and Brian both feel has a, has a tendency to not be uh, completely honest with everything. So, um, before we dive into it too much, we do want to make sure all this information continues to come out and we might have more information on it next week, but I encourage mm-hmm. everyone to check out those two articles. And I think it's, you owe it to yourself to to be as informed as possible on stuff like this. So, Please check that out. On a slightly more positive note, I do want to say on behalf of me and Brian, uh, incredible week for us last week. We appreciate all the support. Um, A lot of really nice comments that we've received. uh, A lot of new listeners. We we truly do appreciate that. Like I've said time and time again, Brian and, and I set out to make a podcast that we both wanted to listen to. But really and I think Brian will agree with me wholeheartedly here. There's someone here behind the scenes that makes this all possible. And that is Perry Wagner. He is one of the most talented people in this business I have worked with. Um, Without him, this is impossible. Um, So if you get a chance, follow him on Twitter. He's a guy who runs our social account. So follow our podcast, but, but really hats off to him. He is the secret sauce to this sandwich here. So,
2: uh brian you got anything to say before we head out of here tonight no appreciate all the lessons appreciate you guys and we'll keep trying to crank out the best content we can for you <laughs> all right thank you everybody you guys have a have a wonderful week and we'll talk to you guys soon see ya
1: thanks for listening to this episode of the church of Roy podcast if you like what you heard go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts you can follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod and be sure to check out our live show on Locker Room every Saturday bright and early at 8 a.m. Pacific. <laughs>